We are continuing in this series that we are calling Behold, a Savior is Born. Last week we talked about how Jesus was born as a humble servant. We looked at how his life and death were marked by humility and vulnerability that give us a guide for our lives. This morning we are going to be talking about his prophetic peace and how he offers us true peace for life. I don't know about you, but this year, perhaps it's because I have two little ones in the house now, those few minutes in the evening after they've gone to bed and before I go to bed when I can turn the lights off and the Christmas tree on and sit have become moments of joy, moments of peace. There's, there's such a, just a, a peacefulness about sitting in a room that's for the most part darkened with the Christmas tree on and, and just listening to the quiet that doesn't happen very often in a house with a two-and-a-half-year-old. This peace is rooted in the peace that was promised long ago, but it's now a reality for us because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Have you ever asked yourself, what would happen if we actually paid attention to God's commands? Have you ever asked yourself, what would happen if we actually did what he tells us to do? Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 48, 18, if only you had paid attention to my commands, then your peace would be like a river and your righteousness like waves of the sea. It's an interesting image, right? Peace like a river. I don't know about you, but I've seen plenty of rivers that didn't seem very peaceful. Right? You ever been up in the mountains and seen a, a white water? You know, as the, as the, as the, as the river goes over those, those rocks, as it changes elevation? You know, that's one of the things that made Richmond special early on in Richmond's development is it was, what was it called? The Falls of the James. Now, it doesn't mean there's a big waterfall, right? But Richmond is where the elevation shifts, and above Richmond, you couldn't take a boat anymore. But you could go all the way up the James River to Richmond. And I, and I think sometimes when we think of a peaceful river, we think of a, of a river like... Maybe the James at Jamestown. If you've ever been there, right? It's, it's wide and it's seemingly very still, although if you end up in it, it'll carry you away pretty quickly. But, but rivers are not in and of themselves incredibly peaceful. You know, we, we can think that peace is boring, can't we? We want, a, we want excitement, Anybody remember the, the, the scene early on in Gone with the Wind when they're at the, they're at the party, they're at the ball, and the word comes in that war has been declared and all the young men get really excited and, and run out, right, because they're getting excitement because there's no more peace. And I think we think that sometimes. We think that, that peace is boring, that peace is placid, 
and flat. But notice, Isaiah doesn't say you'll have peace like a pond. Or, or peace like a, like a pool. He says you'll have peace like a river. A river that starts and stops. A river that's ever flowing. You never look at the same river twice, do you? No matter where you are, it's always different. Rivers are bodies of water that are often fed by other bodies of water, aren't they? A river only, only becomes what it becomes because other sources are feeding into it. Think of the Mississippi River and the Mississippi River Basin that, that is, takes up a significant chunk of our country because of all of those other rivers the Missouri and the Tennessee and all of these other rivers that come in and feed into the Mississippi. You know, we, we need to be fed. If we're going to have peace like a river, we need to be fed just like, just like a river is. We need to be fed by life in Christ, by God's Word, by, by our prayer life. Peace is is something that we all desire. It's something that God promises to us. Peace, like a river, is not placid. It's not, not quietist. It's not unacting. Peace, like a river, is an active, moving peace. You know, you don't have a problem with mosquitoes in a river, do you? Because water moves. But, but when you end up with something still and, and stagnant, that's when you get all sorts of bugs and mosquitoes and slime and all sorts of stuff, right? But, but if, it's, if it's moving, if our peace is like a river, then it's dynamic and it's powerful. We're reminded... We're going to turn here in just a second to Isaiah chapter 9, to the part of the passage that Satori read a, a few minutes ago. And we're going to be reminded that, that one of the names that Isaiah gives to the Messiah is Prince of Peace. Christmas is a, is a time that reminds us that the arrival of this Messiah brings us, should bring us, a deep and abiding peace. It's important for us to remember as we turn to Isaiah chapter 9 who Isaiah is writing to. He's, he's writing to the people of God who were, who were losing their way. They are soon to be exiled. They have not been exiled yet, but it's soon to happen. They're losing their way, and, and they need hope and peace. So we're in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Will you stand with me as we read God's Word together? For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast. And it's 
Prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. This is the word of God. Read it, believe it, and live it. Let's pray. Dear gracious God, as we seek peace from you, as we seek peace from your Son, from our Savior this morning, I pray that as we open your word and as we study it, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you, our God and our King. Amen. May be seated. You know, this is, this is one of many passages in the book of Isaiah where we see this prophetic promise of the coming Messiah. Where we see the, the prophetic promise of this child that is going to be born. I was reading something this week and, and, and somebody was making the point about, about Old Testament prophecy and, and prophecy of the first coming versus prophecy of the second coming. And, and I, I can't help but think about that. Sometimes when we get so wrapped up in thinking that we know what the second coming is going to look like, we need to remind ourselves that they were very sure of what the first coming was going to look like. And we're wrong. But Isaiah is really clear here. You know, I, I think many of them were surprised when, when a child is born in a manger. But Isaiah is clear that, that the gift is going to come as a child, as a son. And so, so he, 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 he tells us, right, that, 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 that God's people are going to be given a, a child, a son. And he tells us all of these things about him. And, and he tells us that he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Early on, I, I think it may have been my first Christmas here, we went through, and, and each week we look at each of these names for Jesus and, and what they meant. And it's important for us to remember, sometimes, right, we have a tendency of latching on to one or the other of these. Sometimes at different times in our life, right? Sometimes we need a wonderful counselor, and so we, we latch on to that idea that Jesus is a wonderful counselor, or, or sometimes we need a, a mighty God. And so we lean into our understanding of Jesus as a mighty God. But as I look at the world around us right now, I look at our, our community and beyond, it's hard for me to think that, that we don't need to do a little leaning into the Prince of Peace. I think many of us need peace. I think we need peace in our hearts. I think we need peace in our, in our souls. If, if you look, to me, when I look at our world, and I'm not just talking about conflict. I'm not just talking about war. I'm, I'm talking about the way we treat each other. I'm talking about the way we speak to each other. I'm talking about the, the, the way that we interact and the way that we feel and the, and the sort of nervous energy that, that so many of us seem to be bringing into the world 
these days. You know, I, I think it started before this. But for me, from my observation, it seems like that 2020 just took the dial and turned it up to an 11. I think the last three, four years have, have seen enormous conflict. And people yelling at each other in the grocery store. People yelling at each other online. People making up stories about each other. People just doing all sorts of stuff. And, and it comes from being troubled in heart and in soul. We need a prince of peace. So the first thing that we need to understand is that we need to understand that peace is promised. Peace is promised. Peace is a, is a timeless concept. You know, it's something that we have desired throughout history. I, I, just, I just spent about six hours listening to a, a six-episode a six podcast that was a sort of audio biography of Napoleon Bonaparte. And, you know, this, that, that, that time period in, in European history, the late 18th, early 19th century with the, the Revolutionary Wars and then the Napoleonic Wars, there was a lot of conflict. And, and so often these coalitions that were coming against France and against Napoleon fell apart because the people involved were so hungry for peace, they would sue for what was called a separate peace. So you'd have a coalition that was... That was the Austrians and the Russians and the Brits and the Prussians. And Napoleon was a master at picking them off one by one. So he'd go after, he'd go after the Austrians first. And then the Austrians were so hungry and so ready for peace that they'd sue for peace. So he'd make peace with them and then he'd go to the next one and then he'd go to the next one. It was one of the reasons, one of the things that made Napoleon so successful in terms of winning wars and conflict. Because, because there's, this, there's this need in us, there's a, there's, a, there's a desire in us for peace, for a respite from the chaos of the world. But the, the peace that's promised to us here in Isaiah 9 is not an ordinary peace. This, this is a peace that, that, that transcends human understanding. It's a peace that can only come from the Prince of Peace. See, it's not an external peace only. It's an internal peace. You know, one of the reasons that none of those external pieces held in Europe was because there wasn't peace inside the people. There wasn't peace inside of Napoleon. There wasn't peace inside of King George. There wasn't peace inside the Holy Roman Emperor, inside the Tsar. And so no matter how much external peace they got, conflict would still erupt because they didn't have peace inside. You know, the Prince of Peace was, was prophesied about hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, right? This, this passage from Isaiah is not 
three days before Jesus' birth. This is hundreds of years, almost a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. And then he comes on that, on that holy night, right? On a midnight clear. Hark, the herald angel sang. He, he shows up and, and, and he brought with him this promise of peace. The promise that in spite of everything going on around us, Despite all of the external conflict that exists, we can access divine peace through Jesus. If you have ever been to a funeral that I have conducted, you have probably heard me read from John chapter 14. It is one of the most profound chapters in all of Scripture. I would commend you go home this afternoon and read the entirety of the chapter. But, but right there in John chapter 14, you know, this is, is Jesus' words to his disciples at the Last Supper. It's his words of comfort to them, knowing that he is about to leave them. And toward the end of that, he, he, he says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. We see several things here. One is we see that the peace that God gives us, the peace that we have through Christ, and the peace that comes from the world are different. And so that brings us to this understanding that, that we can have God's peace versus culture's peace, or God's peace versus worldly peace peace it's a distinction that we need to understand because i think often when we when we chase after peace we're chasing after worldly peace we 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 even when we're chasing after internal peace we're still chasing after the peace as the world gives it to us instead of the way that god gives it to us so i want you to imagine a body of water a bay. Worldly peace is, is like a, a boat, a well-made, well-constructed, well-designed, beautiful boat. It's got polished woods and, and a gleaming gel coat, ornate decorations. It's, it's beautiful to look at. It's great fun to go and go out on it on a wonderful, calm afternoon and spend your day going around the bay. You know, this boat represents the different avenues that, that the world tells us offer us peace. Maybe it's material wealth, maybe it's social status, maybe it's temporary pleasures, maybe it's, 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 it's trying to find internal peace through through psychotherapy. They're, they're alluring. They're, they're promising moments of respite and, and joy and, and relaxation. And, and as we step onto this boat off of the dock and as we, as we head out into the bay, 
It can provide a semblance of peace. Any of you ever been on a boat in the middle of the bay or the lake or the waterway on a nice, calm day? It's really peaceful, isn't it? The water laps against the side of the boat. There's a, maybe a gentle rocking. If you're not real careful, you get real sleepy real quick. Have any of you ever been on the boat on a boat in the middle of a storm. It's a little bit different experience, isn't it? As the waves pick you up and drop you, as they, they toss you from side to side, as the boat heels over one way and then comes back the other. The storm grows fiercer and the the boat begins to creak and then all of a sudden you're recognizing that no matter how well built this boat is the storm outside is probably more powerful than the boat and all of its beauty all of its luxury items begin to fade and we begin to realize that its capacity to provide lasting peace is limited. It's unable to withstand the full force of the storm of life. So now I want you to think of the same body of water, but instead of a boat on that body of water, I want you to think of a lighthouse built on the rock. Have any of you ever seen, it's a really, there are really some famous pictures, there's a lighthouse, I think it's in England, of these huge waves coming and crashing around. I mean, like waves that are like 20 feet tall crashing around this lighthouse, right? And the rock house is, the lighthouse is rock solid. You remember, you've seen those pictures? You know, it's, that, that lighthouse is, is built on the rock. It's built on something solid and unshakable. God's peace is rooted in the solid rock of His unchanging nature in His unchanging, inerrant Word. And then that light, right, from the lighthouse, it, it shines out into the darkness, offering guidance and assurance to all of those who were out there in the boats trying to get back to safety. It it transcends the storm to be a, a sure and steady presence guiding people to safety and to peace and to assurance. It's the, it's the peace that transcends understanding, a peace that's not dependent on the storm. The storm does not shake the lighthouse, does it? Whether or not the lighthouse is, is a pleasant experience has nothing to do with the storm that rages or doesn't outside. Its, its peace flows from that connection to the rock-solid foundation. Its peace flows from a deep and abiding relationship with the Prince of Peace. 
So just as that lighthouse stands firm in the midst of the storm, God's peace remains unwavering in the light, in the, in the face of the storms of life. And so as we navigate life, we're presented with a choice to, to, to place our trust in a, in a frail boat of worldly peace or to seek refuge in the steadfast lighthouse of God's peace. You know, the, the boat can offer temporary escape and it can be a lot of fun to spend the afternoon on the boat. But it ultimately can lead us vulnerable and adrift. On the other hand, God's peace offers a sanctuary of calm, anchoring us in His unchanging love and in His sovereignty. And so ultimately, in the end, we're invited, right, to exchange the fragile vessel of worldly peace for the enduring refuge of God's peace. For that peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that sustains us through the fiercest of storms and trials. A peace that leads us safely to the shores of a relationship with God who is in total, unchanging control. And so, with that in mind, we may choose to anchor our lives in the unshakable lighthouse of God's peace, trusting that He will guide us and see us through life's storms. There's a bit more there in that verse in John 14. Notice how it ends. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, right? There's that distinction. But what comes next? Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. Did you know that the phrase, do not be afraid, occurs over 365 times in the Bible? By saying, do not be afraid, Jesus is inviting us to trust in him and to enter into an abundant life marked by divine peace. And so now we come to living in peace. Living in peace. How can we live in peace? In peace with others, in peace with ourselves, in peace with our relationship with God. In writing to the church at Philippi, Paul writes this. This is Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the first thing we do is we recognize the source of our peace. Is our peace based on how our day went or how long the baby slept? No, thankfully. Because sometimes he doesn't sleep. Is our peace based on how traffic was on our way to work or on whether or not it's raining outside? It, 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 it's not. It's a peace that does not make sense in our normal way of doing things. It's a peace that guards our, our hearts and our minds. These are two of the most vulnerable places who we are, right? Both metaphorically and physically. I can get shot in the arm and I'm okay. I get shot in the heart or the head. I'm in trouble, right? 
literally, but also metaphorically. Our hearts and our minds are the easiest places for the devil to get after us, right? With the way we feel and the way we think. Isaiah reminded us that Jesus is the giver of peace. And to live in peace, we must recognize that ultimate peace originates from him. And here, Paul tells us that that the peace of God is found in Christ. It has nothing to do with our our worldly possessions or achievements or, or, or whatever we do here. It has everything to do with our relationship with him. Another way that we can find the peace that we are craving is by seeking and embracing inner stillness. Jesus gives us access to to a calm and inner stillness when we are near to him. Remember, Jesus is the one who calms the storms. If If you want to find some of that inner stillness, you want to find it in Christ, let me encourage you to pray and to read his word. These seem so basic, right? But pray and read his word. And once you get those two down, get yourself a little notebook and start journaling your prayers and your reading. Especially when things get tough or chaotic, it's, it's, it's helpful to remember the basics. We need to trust God and prioritize prayer. We need to, to trust that he is who he says he is. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all of our care on Him because He cares for us. Through prayer, we we cast our cares on the one being in the universe who can help us in every way with every last problem or anxiety we have. Especially in a holiday season when it can begin to feel like we're running around crazy just trying to make it to every last appointment, every last party, every last store to get every last gift. To remember to to stop and spend time with the Prince of Peace. Living in peace, as we saw in Isaiah and in John, transforms us. It it involves, first and foremost, recognizing Jesus as the source of peace. Recognizing that that it is Christ alone who will give us true inner peace, inner tranquility, that by trusting in, in who God is and what God has done, by practicing forgiveness, by, by, by choosing contentment in Christ, by prioritizing prayer and Scripture, we can experience this peace. I know that this time of year can be a time of year where there's a lot of Anxiety, right? You got to, oh man, I got to go to the store. I got to get that one last thing. I got to go to this party. I got to do this. I got to wrap this up before the end of the year. Not only is it holiday season, right? It's, it's, it's the end of the year. It's Christmas and 
a time when a lot of us have got to get some stuff done before January rolls around. For a lot of us, the holidays can be tough because we're reminded of the people who aren't present with us. Or the relationships that are broken. I don't think it's a coincidence that the enemy uses Christmas to create conflict and disquiet in the heart of people. But, if you root yourself in the unchanging, unshaking foundation of God and of His Son, your Savior. Peace is promised to you. And God fulfills His promises. Our hymn of invitation is going to be